Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I'm speaking to you from cloudy Southern California. Hi, um, this is Stephen G. Fullwood, and I'm the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project, and I'm coming to you from a cloudy Harlem in New York City. And I'm Seth Rodney. I'm coming to you from the South Bronx, uh, a couple of steps away from Stevens Harlem, actually. And I'm an editor at the arts blog, Hyperallergic. And I am a part-time teacher, uh, course instructor at the New School. This is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. Uh, today, we're going to continue our conversation about the 2020 Democratic field. Um, last time, we just kind of did a general overview and had a little fun with talking about like sort of who we liked, who we didn't like. Um, who we all seem to love Elizabeth Warren. So, <laughs> um, but but we decided today that we're going to talk about Joe Biden, who mm-hmm. is the presumptive front runner at this point. I think actually not just presumptive. I think he actually is ahead in in most of the polls. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think as progressives, which I think everyone you know in this conversation probably qualifies as, whether uh, wherever we fall in our particular. Uh, opinions on specific policies, we definitely advocate for progressive policies when it comes to uh, taxation, uh, social, uh, social addressing social inequality, access to health care, the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, certainly racial justice mm-hmm. um, or addressing uh, a racial injustice. So uh, Biden is a problematic candidate if those are uh, principles that you hold close to close to your heart right so mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's been around for a really long time uh has had a number of controversies um has been involved in a number of things that seem very distasteful from the perspective of 2019 progressive politics um so i we will just we'll talk about some of that mm-hmm. and sort of where we stand on that and 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 how we can sort of make sense of that candidacy in relation to uh, our various political positions. Stephen, did you want to? I know you, you are f- fairly familiar with um, uh, some of the more recent news items around Biden. You want to take us into it? Well, I think um, to give it, I, I like the idea of looking at both Biden as a candidate, but also within the context of the other candidates. And so, first, okay, I want to sure. sort of talk about um, Anita Hill. Which I think is for anyone who's yeah. following Biden, he was a part of the um, Senate confirmation hearings for uh, Justice Clarence Thomas, and Anita Hill was the um, woman who accused him of sexual harassment in the workplace, and that Biden was I think he was the he was the leader is that, am I mistaken right he was the um, yeah. chairman of the Senate yeah. Judiciary Committee. and he presided over the confirmation hearings, and so Joe Biden for the most part. Um, needed to make some sort of public uh, overture to Anita Hill because his just before he declared his candidacy, mainly because um, reports say that he knew that this would be an issue for him or a problem in some of the uh, articles that I've read. And so there's a piece in the New York Times. The title is Joe Biden expresses regret to Anita Hill, but she says, I'm not sorry isn't enough. And this came out April 25th, 2019. And I remember reading it and thinking about it in, in, in the context of restorative justice. And for mm-hmm. those of us 
uh, for those of the listeners, uh, if this is a new term for you, restorative justice repairs the harm caused by a crime. When victims, offenders, and community members meet to decide how to do that, the results can be transformational. It emphasizes accountability, making amends, and if they are interested, facilitated meetings between victims, offenders, and other people. And so what Joe did, he got in touch with Anita Hill through an intermediary, called her, and she says she wasn't satisfied with his commentary. And what she said was, um, you know, the apology really wasn't enough. She said that, um, I'm really open to people changing, and I, I will be satisfied when I know that there's real change, a real accountability, and real purpose. And I thought that she, even though she didn't use the phrase restorative justice, I think it was important for her to think about, she says he, she, Biden, she felt that Biden set the stage for the Kavanaugh hearings. And the ways in which these women weren't taken as seriously, even though there was a little bit, because of the Me Too movement, a little bit more, um, I think, the optics changed just a, a teeny bit, I, just yeah, a little bit. I feel bit. like she was taken seriously by a, a good portion of the population. And Maybe so, not the, the senators that were questioning. Yeah, that's her, that's what I was thinking, too, because, no, well, that's that's kind of what I was getting at the actual hearing itself with the people there. She was taken seriously because of the Me Too movement and because of the yeah. um, the strides that have been made to kind of think about the harm done to sexual people who've been victimized. But that um, she, um, I get back to Hill, Hill said that Biden doesn't, his apology really isn't enough. It's not enough to say, mm -hmm. I'm sorry for what happened mm -hmm. to you. And in other reports, Biden mm -hmm. has said this, where he says, I tried to protect her. You know, I tried to limit the questions, and then they show, a, a, you know, a clip of him saying they can answer, ask this woman anything that they want. <laughs> you know, he didn't mm -hmm. try to protect her. So I feel like he's he's talking at both sides of his mouth. Mm -hmm. And so watching him sort of like manage his candidacy, which for me is less policy building and more about the fact that he has electability. That seems to be the mm -hmm. phrase that's bandied about when it comes to his... um. Mm -hmm. his candidacy. So I kind of want to figure, um, talk to you guys about what you think about Biden and then kind of loop back mm -hmm. around some more questions. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Travis. Seth, do you want to jump in? <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. So, I, I, so I, I have a couple of things, a couple of thoughts. Um, so restorative justice is, I would argue, probably undoubtedly more effective when it comes to healing communities. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, there's plenty of research around that. And there's there's anecdotal stories around that as well. Mm -hmm. um, but we live in a society that is on fire with retributive justice. Mm. And and in, in not only in our state and institutional practices, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but in culturally as well, we want people to be punished oh, yeah. for their transgressions. Oh, absolutely. And so I think that that makes Biden's calculation difficult from a practical point of view. And I don't know if he's thinking about it this way. He may not actually feel sorry. It may have been a bullshit move. Absolutely. I don't know yeah, absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. But but if if he is and he is attempting to calibrate his response, mm -hmm. it becomes difficult. I don't know if you've ever, to, to, I don't know if you've ever gotten, of course you have. If you've ever gotten into an argument with someone in which you are willing to accept your errors and faults, mm -hmm. but they are unwilling mm -hmm. to grant mm -hmm. you the same courtesy. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If, if you say, oh yeah, no, I shouldn't have done that, they jump on that. Yeah, you shouldn't have done that. Why did you do that? Not willing to acknowledge oh, yeah. their own part, part in the harm. Mm -hmm. Is there any doubt for you, Stephen or Seth, that if Biden were to more completely own 
the injustice that was visited on Anita Hill, which I think let's just call it an injustice. She was treated mm-hmm. shabbily. She was treated wrong. This was a th- she. She went to Yale Law School. I mean, this wasn't just like some like random. And I don't mean to validate her right. because of her education. Right. No, no, you. I don't mean to do that. I'm just saying no, no. And that's a fair thing to to, to push back on. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying on top of all of that, like this was this is the most credible of credible witnesses, right? I mean, this is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you, if you, if you are in a court of law, right? If you're, if you're calling a character witness, the court is going to take someone like that very seriously. And she was treated very, very poorly. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so what was done to her was wrong. Mm-hmm. But do you actually see if Biden owned that in a more fulsome way that that would play well? in today's cultural political arena, given who the president is, given how rabid the media is for negative stories? I don't. I'm skeptical. That's a really good question. Steph, do you want to answer? Because I have I have a couple things to say about it, but I want to give you an opportunity. Thank you. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I do think that the question is an important one, but it's one based on political calculation. Right. And essentially what we're what that does for me is it it just sort of puts me back in the ditch because Joe Biden, if nothing else, is a very calculating political animal. We know this about him. Mm-hmm. And, and so even if you're asking him to make a kind of political calculation and determine whether him acting from a place of integrity is going to play well, for me, it's sort of neither here nor there. Um, okay. Because... I feel like all his decision making decision making comes from that place. Uh, is it going to play well? How what, how is it going to in- increase the chances of my candidacy? I'm actually much more interested, and I know that I'm dodging the question essentially by by answering it that way. But I really do feel that it's all of one piece for me for for Joe Biden, right? Mm. What I wonder, how I respond to him, is more along the lines of. Recalling an old piece, it was maybe published five or six years ago. It was someone mm. on his staff, I want to say like his chief of staff, maybe. Um, but it was someone who basically wrote a mini memoir. And I think it was excerpt- excerpted in the New York Times magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a piece. It was a whole piece. It wasn't an excerpt. But he talked about the ways that he had changed up his life to serve this this candidate, Joe Biden, to, to be on his staff, to... Uh, mm. essentially put his own life on hold in order to mm. support to do, do what, his job basically yeah to do whatever yeah. he needed to do in order to become the the sort of shining light that Joe Biden would become and he talks about in the piece he talks about how much he regrets it because Joe Biden for him he realizes is essentially someone who's just uh, a soul eater. Like he just takes and takes and takes. Yikes. Yikes. He just takes and and uh, the sacrifices don't matter ultimately to him. Right? He is glad for the adulation, is glad for the praise, is glad for the hard work, is glad for people to pick up his laundry uh, uh, for him and deliver his um, coffee to him and 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 work through policy statements for him. But he doesn't really care. Like that's not how he's built. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is what I got gathered from this from what, what this person wrote. And I, and I apologize for not being able to remember his name, but it just came to me. 
I read this a few years ago and I felt like at that moment that, oh, this is one of those people. And then I'm not saying that Joe Biden is evil. I'm not saying that. I want to be clear. I'm or just saying this, this person is credible. Oh, right. Right, right, right. Okay. But I am saying that given that account and given what else I've seen uh, of the way he's behaved in, in the political arena, he seems less moral than the job requires. Really, mm. like mm. I think, particularly coming on the heels of this presidency, having this degenerate in office, I think that the line has been slightly skewed, mm. to, um, so that now someone merely acting as a decent human being will seem like <laughs> right will seem like <laughs> like a centrist, right? Mm. And I feel that Joe Biden takes advantage of that. He will exploit mm. that. I don't know that he's decent. I, 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 I think that he, he operates from a place of how does this work for me? And I don't like that or trust it or value it. I think that's what I want to say. Wow. I think that's probably true of all political candidates with a few very unusual exceptions. I think that yeah. I think to succeed in politics, yeah. you have to be built a particular uh, politics in the United States. Yes. You have to be built in a particular way. And it's very cool. Not very clear. It seems clear to me that Joe Biden is built that way. Mm -hmm. um, Ob Obama clearly had, you know, certainly had was there was no shortage of egotism on the former president's part but mm. he seemed to be built slightly differently than other politicians he wasn't much for glad handing mm -hmm. i mean this is something that he's criticized for mm -hmm. and honestly i think he's something he should be criticized for like i'm okay with that level of um selfishness and surface in a politician because i've as i've said before in our in our conversations making deals with the devil doesn't scare me it's mm. it's the zealots and the and the angels that terrify me mm -hmm. people you know I, i'm i'm fine with human messiness and baseline greed because i think for most people it's wedded to a general sense of decency i don't think that's true in our current president but so like for biden i don't need him to be anything other than regular decent um, and to feel a sense of responsibility for the office. So, so let's let's get into this, Travis. Let's say he becomes a nominee and he's mm -hmm. elected president. Mm -hmm. Two years from three years from now, mm -hmm. what do you think the landscape looks like politically and socially in terms of the very things you were talking about last episode with regards to the death, the needs we have, the social needs we have right now: universal child care, Medicare for all. Uh, the, uh, our foreign policy. Like, what do you think that looks like I, under President Biden? I have, I have a very direct answer to this. I happened to think about it when I was pouring myself coffee this morning. I don't think change comes from the president. I think change comes from mm. from Congress and the Senate. I think, I think change. I think the legislature is what has to be transformed, and the entract and sort of the entrenched moneyed interests in the legislature mm -hmm, mm -hmm. have to be broken through grassroots politics. I think the president, we need a president to go along is what we need. I think when you look at the transformations in U.S. history, 
that it's not as if there have never been presidents, you know, Andrew Jackson being an example on the other side. Yeah, although it's <laughs> a significant expansion of the middle class under Andrew Jackson, I was just reading yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think where it has to come from is the legislature. That that's that's where that's where it matters. I don't think uh, we've seen the limitations of the presidency, and I'm fine with them. I don't want a presidency that can just sort of come in and uh, by fiat make uh, a series of moral decisions to right the country. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the kind. No, of, that's not the kind of system I want to live under. But but you're living under a system in which the opposite has happened. I mean, let's let's be clear. Like since Trump has come in. He has actually used the executive to wrong a lot of people who Yeah. Right, I think to, too much power is I think too much power is concentrated in the executive. Precisely. Right and I think I think that needs to be recalibrated. Oh, and so yeah. I, I think and so for me, mm. I you know, it's to address your earlier question, what does it look like for Bi- if as a Biden presidency? Mm-hmm. I don't think I hope that we have not entered the phase in which Real political change is dependent on who is sitting in the White House. Where I do, where I do, where Fair I enough. do think a president is critical, however, mm-hmm. is in an area that is not as uh, it doesn't seem to be as important to progressive, which is international politics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I am I am much more hawkish when it comes to international politics. I think that the arena of international politics is as Clausewitz said, war by other means. And mm-hmm. um, I, I think I think that the competing interests require a kind of stalwart faith in American interests and that American interests are, if not righteous, at least defensible. Um, mm. And so I think Biden would stand up for that stuff. I don't know about Sanders. I worried about Obama in that way. I think there were some mistakes in, uh, under the Obama presidency that – on on the liberal side of it, like the red line and, and mm-hmm. things like that, Agreed. I think these are a mis- I think these are a mistake. Agreed. I do, and and Agreed. and so yeah. So anyway, it's a long winded response, but but that is that's my answer. So. Mm-hmm. All right. So I just want to briefly go back to <laughs> the um, the idea that one's political expediency um, or the moment, right? That one. Mm. Uh, makes an apology, a public apology, is dependent mm-hmm. upon. Like I want it to be, I want it to be thoughtful and more transformative. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. what would it have looked like for Joe Biden to say, "I met with Anita Hill, and we really had it out." And mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. I didn't understand then led me to let leads me to these next steps or these kind of realizations or these kinds of things. So that restorative justice moment, I I don't want it to always look like. The moment it doesn't look good if you do that, therefore your candidacy will be da da da. Regardless of right. it's a punitive moment or not, I feel like mm-hmm. not real change, but I feel like at least breaking open the imagination of what's possible in public discourse. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. people were nasty before Trump showed up. You know, there was a lot of dragging mm-hmm. online and a lot of that, and he he just kind of made it. You know, I'll say that by his lead to to take a point. You know, I don't need a president or any figurehead at all to tell me how to be a human or to be kind mm. to people. But what I've noticed and what was what seems to be clear, and I remember like thinking when people say, Oh, if he's if he's elected then or hired, he's elected, that 
he's going to make it easier for white supremacists and other kinds of right wing folks come out and say what they want to say. And I was like, well, these things are already being said, but maybe I couldn't see it getting any worse. And I was really mistaken. <laughs> I was really so mistaken. This is a measure. I forget what it's called, but there's um, there's a name for the psychological mechanism. Really? It got rebranded the Trump effect, but you it's mean not gaslighting. called that. Uh, oh, no, I don't mean that, but this mm. is an aspect of it. No, okay. Oh, that, oh you that, mean the um, Stockholm Syndrome? That, uh, no, not that one too. That's a good one also. Yeah, those are the modeling, <laughs> a mo- modeling of behavior that oh. actual, like when, when members of a community mm-hmm. see behavior modeled in, in authority figures, uh-huh. that behavior does become more permissible. It's been well studied in children. Mm, um, it's right. been, it's, uh, um, and in adults as well. Mm. I, and I, I, you know, maybe for the next podcast, if, if I can remember, I'll look it up. Please. This, this, this is a, this is a well-known mechanism. Like this actually is what happens when you, I mean, think about it from, you know, I mean, you get it anecdotally when people say like the, the culture of a company or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I've, you, you know, like when you were, if you've ever worked at a place mm-hmm. where the top has no integrity, it is absolutely infectious absolutely. through the entire system. Absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that it, it does matter. And that way I do think <laughs> yeah. it matters. I, I believe you, Stephen, that it doesn't matter to you. I don't think it does. I don't think it matters to Seth. I don't think it matters mm-hmm. to me. And and the people that I am close to, no, whatever. An asshole sits in the White House, fine. Uh, you know, someone admirable sits in the White House, okay, good. But for many, many, many of our fellow brothers and sisters, it does matter. Mm-hmm. And it matters enough that I worry about, you know, to, to dovetail on Seth's earlier question, I, you know, I... In some ways, I've felt good about American institutions in relation to Trump. And in other ways, I feel like my purview is too narrow in that there's real damage and erosion Mm -hmm. that is taking place. And we can't, sort of like the termites, we can't even really see the rot and mm-hmm. and um, that's that's potentially set in because of the presidency. I hope that's wrong. I hope you're wrong too, but I, I I only hope that you're wrong in this sense that that potential of the erosion is also the potential for transformation, mm-hmm. and that's yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that people are moved to think more critically about healthcare or about you know things that matter to them and really learn how mm-hmm. to articulate these things and find ways to resist or find ways to. Um, to make things happen. And so that's what's exciting about me, these moments and these movements that have that I've either been empowered or been fueled by or started up by the Trump campaign mm-hmm. and say, no, this isn't right. This man is incorrect. Mm-hmm. And his followers and his and the support that he's getting from some Republicans and some conservatives, this is incorrect. This these are this isn't mm-hmm. right. You know, and so mm-hmm. I do think that um you had a tw- you liked a tweet, Seth, that along those along Stevens' lines yesterday by Joe Walsh or something like that. Oh yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, ooh, he uh, just basically said this man's a con man. I mean, look at him. Like honestly, like <laughs> you and Joe Walsh is one of the most uh, red he's, meat. He's a- Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Republicans guy, you can find. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's probably pointing a gun at you right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and I've, and I've, yeah, yeah. And I've and I've responded to some of the stuff that he's tweeted out with the question rhetorical questions like what's wrong with you? Like what 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 called up in you and died? Like I really this man he's infused completely by white settler ideology. Mm-hmm. But every now and again he is right about 
the obscenity that occupies the presidency. The obscenity, absolutely. He is, in a, he is in obscenity. But here, let me go get back to Joe Biden. One of the things that I think you're saying, Stephen, oh, one of the things I think you're saying is that there's a way in which Joe Biden is mercenary. And he Ooh. won't be honest in a way that you want... You don't necessarily need that for you, but you want it in the public record. You oh, want the absolutely. rhetoric mm -hmm. to be influenced mm -hmm. by that kind of that kind of honesty. That kind of we sat down. I had it wrong. We, it wasn't an easy conversation. We had we went back and forth, and I realized this. And having realized this, I need to therefore change the way that I do whatever subsequently. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Travis, that ethic of right. care. Yeah, that ethic right. of but, care. Yeah. But Travis's point, I think, and I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a subtle point you've been making, and, and I think that came to the surface more with your discussion of foreign policy or how you want someone to act as a sort of agent of foreign policy, is that you expect our political leaders not to do that. You expect them to do the thing that is expedient. You expect them to do the thing that, mm. that plays well in Peoria. I think that the thing about Joe Biden that we all can agree on is that he will be that kind of real, real politic politician. He will mm. do the thing that plays well in, in Peoria. He does not really care mm -hmm. about restorative justice. So more to the point, even if he did care about restorative justice. He would not make the moves that the rhetorical moves that would publicly represent him as caring about that. Mm -hmm. Because mm. because he wants a candidacy that is essentially palatable. He wants beige. He, he's gonna run a beige campaign. He's not gonna offend anybody in particular. He's not gonna go out of his way to to, to in this in this context Beige is better than orange, though. In this okay, context. fair enough. Fair in enough. Fair enough. But I think, but but that's but that's the clarity that we I think I've come to in this conversation. What, what that beigeness is that? Why he's in the double digits? I think so. <laughs> I think so. Oh, that I think is so. so oh, no. no, I mean, no. But let's let's. I mean, let's 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 be clear, right? Like, I mean, I I hate saying it this way because it just sounds so dismissive. But we do live in a culture that is at its core. It, or maybe not at its core, but it, throughout its body, mm -hmm. right? One of the viral uh, infections it carries throughout the body politic is misogyny and racism. Like we are, like that's part of us, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. certainly that's right. True. And yeah. I, go ahead. Go ahead no, go ahead. no, I was just gonna say. I, I was gonna say. I I think that there's a, a slightly more generous reading of the body, body politic in relation to Biden, which is mm -hmm. that I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry we elected Trump. <laughs> Biden is very, very closely connected to the Obama presidency. Yeah. And I think that he, he reflect. I think it's like, yeah. okay, okay. Uh, we, we fucked up. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. sorry about that. That's honestly like, I feel like there's some contrition. I really do. I feel, you know, I, I feel like it's like, okay, this all right sorry I, I didn't you know it was one night i didn't mean to hook up with him you know like i really kind of feel like there's there's a little bit of that going on i think that's uh, a good read i think that's an insightful read that yeah. is a good read beige 
I'm sorry. <laughs> Beige. I look, I that look, color. I look that? presidential. That's the, can- that's the candidacy, right? Like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I look yeah. presidential, yeah, which I have to explore a little bit more often. I mean, a little more I thoroughly mean, for myself. I, 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 th- I think it's a slightly misogynist term, actually. Like, I really, I'm using yeah. it. I, I'm using it uh, uh, somewhat uh, sarcastically. But I do think that, I mean, when we say that uh, someone is presidential, I mean, are we not just saying they are a tall white male? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's pick this up. Let's pick this up next time. What okay. what does it mean to look presidential? Awesome. In the twenty twenty field. Um, so, uh, and I know Seth has an appointment, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up a little short today. So, uh, Seth and Steven, thanks very much for the conversation. Thank you very Indeed. much. Thank you good for one. having us. Mm-hmm. Yeah.